Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Being a Leader live with Brenda Baird right here on the Life Coach Radio Network. Tonight we're going to kick off the Spring 2017 Management Series. For the next four episodes, we will dedicate the discussion to the steps needed to successfully transition from employee to manager. I'll share with you my professional experiences, both the mistakes I've made and the wins, and talk about the skills required to communicate more effectively, solve problems through others, and resolve team conflicts or difficult employee issues. All of this information was developed to help you be a better manager, and in that, to accomplish your goals more effectively. And also tonight, as part of the radio program, we're going to be launching a special segment in the show called Happiness Works. In this new segment of the show, we're going to take just a few minutes for me to share some research and practices, ideas that I've learned at the World Happiness Summit in Miami this past March. It's designed to help inspire managers to lead from a place of happiness. Creating happiness in the workplace means improving the culture and increasing productivity. When our employees are happy, they are more productive. So stay tuned. It's about the end of the show when we'll bring that forward. You'll learn how and why to bring more happiness to your workplace. Hey, did you know that the show was live? That's right. You can call in to ask questions. You can share a story, or you can simply join me in the conversation of whatever the topic is that we're talking about that during that show. To call in, the number is 646-716-9397. Again, the number is 646-716-9397. And just press 1 to get in the queue. And I will make the microphone live and you can ask me a question. Now, if you're not able to call in, you can send your questions or comments to Brenda at BrendaBearCoaching.com. I absolutely love bringing this radio program to the air every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. So put it on your calendar. In each episode of Being a Leader, I draw on my 35 years of experience of integrating self-awareness to build careers build better teams, and lead people to take action on creating their own life dreams. So coupled with my life experiences, I share the, the principles of core energy leadership coaching. Now, this process was developed by the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, and it refers to both a particular and unique form of leadership that literally reveals the process of leading with energy energy that works for you rather than against you. And by learning and applying principles and concepts of core energy leadership, you can increase your ability to shift your own energy and the energy of those around you. When you do that, you will help inspire and motivate yourself and others to feel a greater sense of purpose, to get more done with less effort and stress, and constantly attract positive and powerful people and the success you want to you. Now, the show offers practical advice, personal coaching, and some creative new ways of thinking about common leadership challenges. If you're interested in learning more about some new manager hacks, 
I'm always trying to uh, roll out some new hacks for people to try uh, in their career. You can do get connected to me by texting on your smartphone. Text the word manager to 22828. That's manager. Text that man that excuse me. Text that word manager to 22828. And whether you're a first-time manager or a seasoned executive or you're simply exploring the art of self-mastery, this show and the information I share with my listeners will get you thinking about the essential skills a leader must master. You know, it's my philosophy. We're all leaders somewhere in our lives, and certainly we are the leader of our own life. So I'm your host, Brenda Barrett. I'm a certified professional coach and an energy leadership index. Tonight, which is management in modern times. So grab your notepad, grab a nice beverage, sit back and relax because this is going to be a really great show. Now, don't forget if you want to call in, the number to do that is 646 716 9397. Press one to get in the queue, and I'd really look forward to, to hearing from you. Okay, so management in modern times. You know, all organizations depend upon group efforts and group action and joint efforts across business functions and across multiple time zones is really common in today's workplace. The success of this group effort actually depends upon mutual cooperation among the members of the group have very clear understanding of what they need to accomplish and by when. The funny thing about these group efforts is that in today's workplace and with the millennial generation entering into the workplace, the role of the manager in a team is one of a facilitator. Now that's a major shift in the way that managers have managed in the past. So today what we have are teams that are made up with these specialty um, interests across multiple functions in the business. And in those specialties and in those diverse opinions, what we have is the necessary skills to make things happen and the skills in which to know how to go about making those things happen. The role of the manager becomes a facilitator of the communication within that team, the focus of that team, the vision for the team, and setting the goals for the team. Motivated and constantly articulating with them any adjustments that need to be made along the way. So managers create this teamwork and this coordination among, among all these individual specialized efforts. In the workplace today, management is indispensable, whether it's a business, a government, a hospital, a college, a club, whatever it is. Management of these group efforts is the creative force which helps to bring optimal utilization of resources. You know, according to the old manager guru, Peter Drucker, uh, in his work, will be classic and hold true probably till the end of time. But he says management is the dynamic, life-giving element in every business. Without it, the resources of production simply remain resources 
and never become production. Management is the catalyst without which no organization can survive and grow. Managers today are required to plan, organize, direct, and control group efforts. Management provides leadership and motivation to these individuals. As an innovative force, management performs the same role in an organization, much like the brain of a human body. It is the fundamental coordinating mechanism that underlines organized endeavors. Now, one of the things I want to point out at this point is that in my description of management tonight, not one time did we mention that the manager is doing the work. I think it's important to understand that the most creative of managers and the greatest managers and leaders have understood the mindset shift that needs to take place from being that individual contributor who does the work to now being the manager who motivates others to get that work done. It's a major mind shift, but in this day of collaborative group efforts across cross functions, it is critically important, good manager, to understand that mindset, make that shift, and act like the facilitator of the group. Now, the importance of management has actually increased tremendously in years, in these past few years, due to the increased size and complexity of organizations, and also because of the shifting demographics of the workplace and the growing globalization of business in general. But what's true is that the number one job of a manager is to, develop, is to develop the human talent. Now, in most small businesses or corporations, what they really lack most is not skill, technical skill, or even capital. What they lack is solid management. Therefore, the development of managerial talent must receive a top priority under any talent management strategy. Without an adequate supply of talented general and specialized managers, all business growth will be hampered. You know, according to the late President John F. Kennedy, the role of management in our society is critical to human progress. It serves to improve our standards of living of all people through effective utilization of human and material resources. By designing job structures that provide opportunities for self-expression and initiative, management provides human satisfaction. It was really quite visionary to be able to see that. He saw that on the horizon. Today, our progressive workplace, we are right in the middle of this major shift in workplace culture and employee expectation shifting to a people-centric, people-focused culture, and people getting the work done for the organization. But that focus and that shift has been taken from how do we support the employee, which comes from um, flexible workplace, uh, casual workplace. We got a lot of that from the Gen X generation to the 
new generation of employee that is saying we want it to be a people first environment. And I'll talk a little bit more about what that actually means in a second. But when it comes to being a, having a strong management team, it makes all the difference in the quality of life of the people that it employs. But management is an essential instrument of human progress and a keystone of our modern society. Now think for just a minute, if you could. Imagine that you went to sleep, and when you woke up, it was a work day in 1967. Think about that for just a minute. How different is your work life today as compared to what it was 50 years ago? Clearly, there wouldn't be a Starbucks in every corner or a cell phone in every pocket, but what else has changed and why? Well, in today's work, the structure, the content, and the process of work have changed. Work is now more cognitively complex. It's more team-based and collaborative. It's more dependent on social skills and more dependent on technological competence. The work is absolutely more time-pressured, but yet more mobile and less dependent on geography. In today's world, you'll also be working for an organization that is likely to be very different just due to competitive pressures and technological breakthroughs. Organizations today have to be leaner and more agile, more focused on identifying the value for the from the customer's perspective. It has to be more tuned to the dynamic competitive requirements and strategy. It has to be less hierarchical in structure, and decision authority. That's why we say organizations are lean or flat. You'll hear a lot of people describing them as, I work in a flat organization. Organizations today are less likely to provide long, lifelong careers and job security. And today, they continually are reorganizing to maintain and gain their competitive advantage. Although many factors ultimately contribute to the changing patterns of work, organizational theories point out two key drivers for why this has happened. The first is increasing pressure on organizations to be more competitive and agile and customer focused. This is where we get the lean enterprise theory from. Some management teams do this very well. Others don't. Others can turn their lean organization into a culture that is so demanding and so unpeople focused that people get burned out, stressed out, less productive, all of those things. Turnover's high. Another factor that contributed to these changing patterns is communication and information technology breakthroughs, especially mobile technology and the internet that enabled work to be separate from time and space. Gosh, we're seeing that in the political landscape today, that this rapid advancement in technological uh, communication and the sharing of information has played a critical role in our political platforms, in the election of our president, um, 
in just its connectivity to the world, we get information so fast and um, it really has made a change in also the political landscape as well as in our workplaces. So what does all that mean for a manager? And what does it really mean to be lean, effectively lean? Well, the lean enterprise model was first introduced by Toyota in the 1970s. And since then, it has fueled changes in organizations across the globe. Particularly, but not exclusively, it's been predominant in manufacturing and in product development. The lean enterprise principles enable many organizations to respond more rapidly to the marketplace by reducing cycle times, developing mass customization processes, and supporting continual change and innovation. Adopting these lean principles and lean thinking has led to numerous changes in our workplace, especially in the modern organizational structure. And this has been done to improve the effectiveness of our internal processes. So the goal of this lean initiative has been to eliminate waste and to divine customer value. So some of the Key organizational changes include things like reduced hierarchical structure. This means that hierarchies are cumbersome. Levels, the levels that we see are cumbersome. And you can't respond quickly to the changing market demands, such as pressures to reduce cycle times or continuous innovations. Hierarchies are being replaced by cross-unit organizational groupings, fewer layers, and more decentralized decision-making. That's the future of the workplace. You can see with the thoughts of that model how critical communication is and how critical getting information in a timely manner will be for organizations. There's also this blurred boundaries. Uh, some of the, the managers that I coach, this can be a particular particularly difficult mindset shifts for them. And this is the blurred boundaries. So as organizations become more laterally structured, the boundaries begin to break, to this break down into different parts of the organization because they need to work together more effectively. So what I mean is the boundaries between departments, as well as the boundaries between job categories like manager, professional, technical, they become looser in our new modern workplace. And there is a greater need for task and knowledge sharing. Teams are sort of this basic building block. And as we move towards the team-based organizational structure with those blurred boundaries, what we see is the pressure to make rapid decisions, to reduce inefficiencies, and to continually improve the work processes. Organizational leaders today are expecting management to oversee the efforts of these group productions by bringing the right specialists to the table who can make decisions, make them quickly, and not have to get approval from multiple layers. That's how they can be faster. That's how they can be more efficient and continually work to improve processes. 
That is the future of the modern workplace. Continuous change. So if you're someone who struggles with continuous change, the modern workplace today is probably going to cause you a fair amount of angst because organizations are expected to continue the cycle of reflection and reorganization in making these rapid decisions and improvement of process. It is just going to happen at a faster rate, and you're going to see continuous change management as being one of the main functions of a manager in keeping the team motivated. How do I keep my team motivated through this continuous cycle of change? All of it requires a new management perspective. Employees today are no longer managed by applying with rules and orders and approvals and paperwork, but rather to be committed to the organization's goals and missions. The blurring of boundaries also affects organizational roles. And as employees gain more decision authority and latitude, managers will become more like social supporters and coaches rather than the commander. Over the past two decades, a new pattern of work is actually emerging. As we're seeing the knowledge economy, as they're calling it, we're really realizing the full potential of both new technologies and these new organizational models that I just talked about. We find changes fall into these, the following categories here that we're going to talk a little bit more. So this is the new pattern of work that is emerging right now. The first one is cognitive competence. The second, social interactive competence. The third is the new psychological contract between an employee and an employer. And the last one, the fourth one, is changes in process and place. Now, the first one there, cognitive competence. Employees in today's modern workplace are expected to be more functionally and cognitive fluid and able to work across many kinds of tasks and situations. The broader span of work brought about by all the changes in organizational structure also creates some new demands, including increased complexity of work. Employees need to know more not only how to do their jobs and tasks, but they also need to work effectively with others on the team. Many knowledge-based tasks require sound analytical and judgment skills to carry out the work that is more novel and context-based with few rules and structure in the ways of how the work actually gets done. Although demand is high for high cognitive skills and especially prominent in a professional, technical, and managerial job, even someone at an administrative level will require more independent decision-making and operational decision-making in our modern workplace today. Continuous competency development, not only do employees need to keep their technology skills up to date, but they need to be continuous learners in the 
skills and discipline in which they work. And they also need to be conversant in the business strategy, meaning employees today really need to understand the business of the business. They need to understand the mission and the vision of where top leadership is taking the, com the company and what the goals are. Because the, today's workforce is no longer going to be satisfied with simply doing a task because you told me to do a task. Now, some people may say, well, then they don't want a job. This is their job, and this is, I'm the boss, and I'm going to tell them what to do, and that's it, right? Take it or leave it. Well, the realities of that are that in the modern workplace today, when you say take it or leave it, they're going to leave it, and you're going to be seeing your talented people who are of this new mindset walking out the door with some of their tribal knowledge, and certainly um, the morale of your organization is going to be lower. So um, not only do they have to keep up on their technology, but they also need to be conversed in business strategy and goals. Time to read and attending training classes is really no longer the prerequisite of just a few employees. It is essential for all workers. So as I talked about before, we're seeing that even decision-making um, authority is going to fall down to some of those more administrative type employees as this leaner, flatter organization is trying to keep up with pace in innovation and competitive advantage in order to keep the business moving towards its goals. So different ways of thinking. I would argue that today cross-functional and cross-boundary teams will require in the future what I call kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope thinking. So it's the ability to see alternative angles and perspectives and to create new patterns of thinking that can propel innovation. Employees are going to have to be able to see all the pieces of the business and how they work together, not just their own little silo. They need to be able to understand the direction that the business is going and then be able to synthesize contrasting ideas in order to make those cognitive leaps that underline future innovation. Now, I have to tell you that there is a cost to this complexity. Increased access to information has made, both, has made work both easier and also more difficult. The ease comes from ability to rapidly locate and download information from diverse websites or sources of information. The difficulty comes with the need to consume and the sense and to try to make sense of all of the information that we get in a timely fashion. What can happen in today's workplace with access to so much information that's available to us so easily is that we can get what's called information overload. So couple that information overload, this consuming of large amounts of information, couple that with time pressures and increased work complexity, and it leads to what psychologists actually call cognitive overload syndrome. So the symptoms of COS in the workplace include stress, an inability to concentrate, 
constant multitasking, task shifting, meaning they can't figure out what the priority is, and there's a tendency to focus on what is easy to do rather than what is important. Recently, the National Research Council called attention to the importance of relational and interactive aspects of work. And as we see collaboration and collective activities becoming more prevalent, workers need to develop good social skills. So here's why. Good social skills are necessary for that teamwork and collaboration. Now, how does that tie back to COS? cognitive overload syndrome, we have, think back to what I said earlier, if you have teams of people, groups of people, specialists who are bringing the disciplines of their department to the table, able to make decisions, able to make connections, understand how the work flows, where it comes from, where it goes to, can make those connections and lead us to creative innovation, they have to be able to discern how much information they need to obtain and how much information they can allow someone else to, to carry into the conversation. So teamwork and collaboration are important. Also, being able to resolve conflict and negotiation skills are going to be absolutely essential for a manager in this collaborative work environment. You know, conflict often occurs when group goals, work methods, assignment workloads, recognition, all of that, you know, when they sort of fall apart or it's not clear or something goes wrong. When a team, good conflict and good negotiation skills are better equipped to deal openly with their problems, to listen and understand different perspectives, and to resolve these issues in mutually beneficial ways, the team can move past the conflict and stay on point and continue to work in the lean environment of this collaborative group effort moving towards the goal. Relationship development and networking, critical. A manager needs to know how to share important information, needs to make sure they are fulfilling their promises and have this willing, willingness to be influenced, meaning they're listening to um, those around them and they are developing the trust of the team. When workers trust one another, they are more committed to obtaining those mutual goals. They're more likely to help another out when there's a difficult situation and they are more willing to share and develop new ideas. If they don't have to worry about not being recognized, if they don't have to worry about favoritism, if they don't have to worry about trusting their manager. So I think you can see here just in these first two, the role of the manager as the facilitator, as the motivator, as the coach, those are the criticals of management in the progressive workplace today. Learning and growing. We've heard a lot of Rhetoric over the years about uh, this is a learning organization. Well, they may strive to be a learning organization, but to create conditions in which employees learn, not only through formal training, but through relationships with coworkers. 
You know, learning happens by talking to somebody else. We can send people to the best training in the world, and I guarantee you when they come back to the workplace, if they have a challenge, the first thing they're going to do is turn to a coworker who they know has experience in that area and say, can you remind me how to do this? So organizations that strive to be learning organizations need to create the conditions where employees not only get their education through training, but through relationships with coworkers, through relationships built on joint problem solving, insight sharing, learning from mistakes, and working closely together to sort of aid the transmission of this tactical data. This is really what lean training is all, is all about. Lean education is actually getting the information you need in, at the moment in which you need it so that you can remember it and you can apply it. So having mentoring relationships, coaching relationships between newcomers in the business with those more experienced in the organization will take you quite far in creating this learning environment. So again, as we move towards a more collaborative, modern, progressive work environment, the fate of individuals is going to be instinctively bound to collective success. Dependent on others for one's own success is often very, very uncomfortable. You know, we've been socialized to value individual responsibility and individual achievement. And we feel uncomfortable with the thought of relying on other people to determine our success. There is a fear of not having our individual efforts recognized. So collaboration and relationship development with a manager takes some time and takes some effort. Understanding a coworker's perspective and the thought worlds requires time spent listening, integrating, and synthesizing. And for those employees that recognize that are recognized as both knowledgeable and approachable, the demands of interaction will become increasingly high. Now, what I mean by that is if you are an employee or if you are a manager, who has the ability to have skills and knowledge about something that the business needs, and you have these social skills and you're approachable and you listen, you're going to be highly sought after. So the thought that you are an individual contributor or an individual task person who's going to individually see success is just no longer going to be the way of the world. In our new modern workplace, your success is going to be determined by the ability of the collaborative group to obtain success. And if you are the manager of that group, having that group do that successfully is going to elevate you and you are going to be in higher demand. So as you lift them up, they will lift you up. As the work changes, so does the nature of the relationship between employees and employers. So, in the new work context, the informal psychological contracts between workers and employees, what each other expects from each other, focuses on competency development, 
continuous training, and work-life balance. In contrast, the old psychological contract was about job security, steady advancement within the firm. So again, I want to go over this because it's really important. The new psychological contract between an employee and an employer in the modern progressive workplace today is one that focuses on competency development, continuous training, and work-life balance. In contrast to the old contract, which was about providing me with job security and a steady advancement within the firm. So as we've already discussed, few workers expect or even desire lifelong employment at a single company. It's just not in the cards of our modern workplace. From the employer's perspective and from the employee's perspective, neither party today has an expectation that when someone takes on employment with a company that they're going to be there for their, their entire career. So as this job security declines, many um, management scientists, we can call them, see some things on the horizon that all managers and leaders should probably be keenly aware of within their organizations. The first one is there's going to be a bit of corporate indifference. So employees will be loyal to the mission and the goals as it relates to their work and their feeling of purpose and their feeling of accomplishment, but that dedication to the corporation, they're going to be a little more indifferent about that. These individuals are invested in what's called psychological self-determination. They desire participation. They desire expression. They desire identity and the quality of life. All values which have to be exposed by the organization, but largely are ignored in the practice of most organizations today who are constantly focused on reducing fixed labor costs. So it's a conundrum within our organizations today. The best companies will look at this indifference Look at this new modern progressive workplace, this new employee mindset, and make the appropriate shifts so that they can remain innovative, customer-focused, and move into the future and be successful. This reduced loyalty and commitment from employees with little expectation for advancement, workers feel less committed to organizational goals, and it could be overcommitted to their own learning and development. Now, this is especially true for very lean organizations who don't have the opportunity for advancement, fast advancement. So what I mean by this specifically is large companies that have many, many multiple layers can actually provide someone with some sort of advancement almost on a yearly, every two years, they can see some sort of change or advancement in their career. With today's lean environment, that just isn't going to happen anymore. And so with that, employees can tend to feel less committed. So the knowledge and the technical skills that those employees bring with them to the workplace have got to be transportable. And they can't be lost when a new job is taken. 
So that knowledge sharing, that collaboration, that group effort, that not only knowing my task, but knowing the flow of the work and the task of the total job at hand becomes critical in holding on to that tribal knowledge, knowing that given the structure of today's workplace, given the mentality mindset of today's workplace, people may come and go. Also, increased time burden. So this can be, this will be a problem. It's already a problem. Years of downsizing and outsourcing have produced the feeling for most employees of having too much to do and too little time to do it. And in order to keep up with their workloads, many employees are spending longer hours at work. And according to reports done by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Center for Workplace Development, this is happening at an increasing volume and um, it can only go on for so long. And in some cases, you will see employees burn out, they become less productive, they can become indifferent, um, almost numb to uh, what's happening around them and less productive. And when that occurs, less innovative and creative. So flexible work arrangements that do not keep up with employee preferences. Uh, work Trends uh, has a report out that said 74% of workers are not allowed flexible hours and work arrangements such as telecommuting. And those with flexible hours have limited freedom regarding when and where to work. The vast majority of these workers have to commit to a specific day to work at home or a specific day to take off if they work for 10-hour days. So as organizations have sort of tried to move into this new progressive thought, the work arrangements just are not keeping pace with what the demands of the employees are wanting. So when I say that the organizations are going to need to shift to what's looking like a people-focused culture, this is one of the key points that I'm talking about. Where the work gets done, when the work gets done, how the work gets done, is needs to be less important than the work needs to get done by this time. In these group efforts of specialists who can make decisions and keep things moving, work when they need to, committed to the goals and the missions, you're going to see that that's the way of the future. That's the modern progressive workplace. You know, the modern workplace is driven by the organizational issues that I just described and are enabled by technologies that support mobility, easy access to information. These pressures and opportunities, however, are not resulted in a specific new workplace model. I mean, the models and ideas sort of exist concurrently. And with designs depending upon the organization and its work practices, culture, and customers. So it's not like we can pull up a book and pull out the formula for this structure called the modern workplace. It just doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't exist. Organizations need to find their groove. They need to understand their employees and understand the value of that a strong man team that can keep the employees motivated during, the, during these incredible moments of change. It's upon us now, and action needs to be taken now to shift the culture and shift the mindset, not only of the employees, but also of the leadership of the organization. Now, managers deal with ever-changing demands, ambiguous priorities, breakdowns, 
barriers and a full range of human, human emotions. And for those who become managers in today's progressive workplace, they must learn to see themselves and their work differently than the managers of the past. They must be in some sort of a development plan where they are building new values, deeper self-awareness, and increased emotional maturity. It's going to be the differentiating piece to what makes a good manager and what makes a good manager great. So being able to do these things, to have great self-awareness so that you can clear your own personal barriers to resolve conflicts within the team, keep people motivated, keep yourself motivated, and keep your emotional maturity intact and growing. That's going to be the secret formula for managing in the modern workplace. So let's take a look real quick here at uh, a new segment that I call Happiness Works. And so in the promo of this show, the question that I put forward was, are you happy? And you answer the question, am I happy? And so I was so fortunate to be a part of the World Happiness Summit in Miami last month. And we had incredible thought leaders from all over the world who really were there to help inspire us and to provide clarity about what is happiness. What does it mean to us personally? How do we make ourselves happier and what's really most important? And then how do we carry that message out into the world and spread the messages of happiness? Now, I have to tell you, in my experience in living this mission and believing in it, partnering with my core energy coaching and the, and the principles around how do I show up? How do I energetically present myself day in and day out in order to keep myself motivated and those around me motivated? Oftentimes when I put the word happy into that, somehow that um, makes it a little fluffy for some people. And they, their reaction is uh, a smile or a grin or a, some sort of a chuckle about, yeah, 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 happy at work. And if there's one thing that I can do in this segment about am I happy is to have you all honestly take two steps back and ask yourself that question, am I happy, really happy? And before you can probably answer that question, you have to be able to define what does happiness mean? Well, I, Sean Aker was one of the speakers, and what he said is that happiness is the joy you feel while moving toward your potential. That's how he would describe happiness. This could be your potential as a woman, as a man as a husband, as a wife, as a partner, as a father, as a mother, as a son or a daughter or a friend, or as a manager and a leader. Moving towards your potential and finding joy in that is where you're going to find real happiness. It actually activates something in our brain. It's the pleasure centers of our brain that then opens our heart up to change. 
And change is possible, even if there is some genetic um, preference to being depressed or having anxiety, even if there's some sort of childhood trauma or a work environment, that if you can stay focused on your own personal journey towards seeing your potential, you can remain happy. One of the sayings that they put forward is that pain is inevitable, inevitable in life, but that suffering is optional. <laughs> and if we want the best out of people, we must think about what's best for the people. And that's going to be the new shift in the progressive work environment. So when you answer the question, am I happy? Answer it from the position of, are you moving towards your fullest potential? And how do you actually go about doing that every day? steps do you take in order to remain happy? You know, people who are sad are often focused just on themselves. Everything is all about them, happening to them, happening for them, happening against them, right? Everything is about them. Happy people are focusing on others. Happy people are focused on gratitude. Hearts are open and they're moving forward. For those people who have a more spiritual approach to happiness, one of the big lessons that I learned at the Happiness Summit is that there is a line between our ego and our relationship to source or God. And when that line between those two fades away and we can have a greater relationship with source, we actually will be happier. So what happens to us when we have a greater relationship with source? It means that we're more tapped into what it is we're supposed to do in this world. It means that we're more focused outward and upward instead of inward. Now, sometimes we do have to do internal work, and this can be confusing for some people who have a really strong evangelical belief in God that we shouldn't be so inwardly focused. But sometimes we do have to focus within in order to clear out the garbage, the junk, so that we can clear our way to develop the relationship, to clear the line between ego and the relationship to source or God. It is in that process that we call that self-awareness, self-development. And all of it is on the journey to a greater relationship with an outward focus on helping others. So I don't know how you all answered your question. I hope that you answered it kind of and that you will take my advice about doing some internal work to clear away the barriers and help you to create a relationship that has you outwardly and upwardly focused. Now, you know I'm a leadership coach. If I can help you in any way, just reach out to me at Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com, and I'm more than happy to, uh, to help you through your journey. It would actually be my honor. So the progressive work environment, it's changing. It's, I can remember a few years ago, people were saying, the millennials are coming, right? They're coming to the workplace. Well, I'm telling you 
that day is here. We're in it now. There's a whole nother generation that was born after 2001 that are just now turning 16 years old and they're entering into the workplace now. The millennial generation is in your organization. It's estimated that some 20 million millennials hold management roles today and that over the next 12 months, we'll see another 2 million fill those roles. So the, the millennial generation is going to bring the shift to the workplace. The baby boomers who brought to the work this fundamental idea of employee programs. How do I support the employee? The Gen X generation, they brought to the workplace the concept of a more casual workplace. They're the ones who brought, you know, casual Fridays. Uh, you know, we all had to, we all could change. We didn't have to wear pantyhose anymore. <laughs> and men didn't have to wear ties every day. We have the Gen X generation to thank for that. And what we have to thank the millennials for is this shift in only worrying about the bottom line and realizing that the bottom line will be advancing if we change and make the shift on making the organization people-focused, worried about the people, what's best for the people. And when we do what's best for the people, the people will be more productive and the companies will be more profitable. So that is managing in the, um, the modern workplace. So a couple of things I just want to bring forward to you. Um, our next uh, episode in this series happens on April 25th. And it's going to be the top five greatest expectations for managers. So this four-part series is really getting tuned into the responsibilities of a manager from the perspective that you're already there. Keep an eye out for some future uh, programming around first-time managers. That's going to be the focus of Brenda Baird Coaching in 2017, and we have an online course that's going to launch very soon, and some other free webinars. If you want to be tuned in to that and not miss anything, just text manager to 22828. Go to my website, brendabairdcoaching.com, and join my mailing list. You'll never miss announcements and links for radio shows. You'll get links to all the, the new webinars that are going to be free, and you'll get opportunities for um, the other online courses and things that we have. Um, some free eBooks are also on Facebook, so follow me there so that you can get those free downloads. So we have a lot of ways to stay connected, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. So I look forward to staying connected with you. If you have a story about happiness and how you're going to bring happiness to your workplace, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. But with that, I think it's a wrap. And everybody be safe, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.